Welcome back, everyone, to the Cyclone Scoop podcast. Really special week this week, the Cyhawk game. My first time covering this game. Honestly, my first time covering an Iowa State Cyclones game in person. And I'm here with my friend, colleague in the network, Iowa Hawkeyes insider, David Eichel. David, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Yeah, Nick, it's uh, it's good to finally, uh, you know, be able to chop it up. It's going to be an interesting week. I know, uh, you know, Iowa's offense has become sort of a national kind of punchline, but the animosity between Iowa and Iowa State is at an all-time high. I love it. And I will say, Nick, something that's so intriguing to me about this, I know you caught the end of my Twitter spaces, but the more I reflect on this, the more I think about it. It seems like neither fan base is particularly confident about this game, and it gives me such a weird vibe just going into it. You're 100% like truly spot on from that, kind of what I've seen. Like Based on film, there might be one team, I'd say overall, Iowa State definitely executed and looked a little cleaner in week one, but you got to keep the opponents in mind. And even on my board, people were kind of making these predictions, and it was still a lot of what you've alluded to, which we'll hit on at the end as well, I have to pick Iowa until I see otherwise. So what I first kind of wanted to get at, because you've been around doing a great job at this for much longer than me, in general, why has this Iowa program not only won, but found different ways to win and kind of dominated this series in the last few years, especially since you've been around? Yeah, Nick, I think, you know, people will be able to see our segment on Around the Nation with, with Emily Proud and the National 24-7 sports team. But turnover has been a huge thing. And Iowa's won the turnover battle 9-0 in the past five years. And I think Josh Pate really summed it up well. Iowa is just so frustrating to play against because they just wait. They just wait. They play their game, and they let you shoot yourselves in the foot. And what it feels like from Iowa State over the past few years it's like a domino effect. Once they make one mistake, another one happens, another one happens, another one happens. And then, you know, they'll find a way to somehow get back in the game a little bit, but then Iowa just finds a way to to pull it out. And it's Iowa not beating themselves in these sort of games. And Iowa State, I think it's not even so much as a talent disparity. I think Iowa is more talented. I think Iowa State's executed better, but I think Iowa has more proven talent. I think their defense is championship caliber. I think Iowa special teams is championship caliber, and that's why Iowa won 10 games last year. Because, look, Iowa should not have won 10 games last year. The 121st-ranked offense, you thought there was only one way they could go, Nick, but they've somehow managed to go down over the course of the offseason despite returning it almost everybody, right? But to go back to your initial question, I think it's just Iowa playing Iowa football, frustrating opponents. And the stat I found, which isn't surprising, but it's crazy to think about it. I think you saw it when I tweeted it. In the last nine games, Iowa has scored 11 touchdowns, not just against Iowa State in general, going back to last season after they start off undefeated against Penn State. Scored nine touchdowns, resulting in 66 points. Iowa's defense and special teams has scored 77 points, including extra points. That's not normal. (laughs) But no, like I said, I think Iowa State is as much of a mental block is anything else at this point. They just need to find a way to get over the hurdle. And I for Iowa, there's seemingly no pressure on them. And I think they're as well coached on special teams and defense as anybody in the entire country. So that's that's very well said, Dave. And there's no question how good Iowa's defense is, which is why, though I'm probably going to stick with the same team, I'm altering my prediction even a little bit since Sean and I 
did something together earlier this week because I've listened to your stuff. I've read your guys' things. And quite honestly, I watched some of the film last week. I'm sorry. Game. I wouldn't have. <laughs> and <laughs> Iowa, that defense is very good. So my question there is, you know, some of the big names, Campbell, obviously Riley Moss, who I think is going to have a great matchup with X, Xavier Hutchinson this week. But how are some of those injuries potentially going to come into play for the Hawkeyes? And who do you look at to step up? Yeah, I mean, Iowa's athletic training room is like a full-on ICU at this point. I mean, it's crazy how many guys are injured right now. Uh, Jamari Harris is doubtful. Gavin Williams, Iowa's number one running back, is probable, and that's a very, very good thing. I know Iowa's offensive line has its own issues. I do expect a big jump week one to week two for them, simply because if there's any time a team can make a big jump during the season week by week, I think it's week one to week two. And that's why I look at the coaching for Iowa. And that's why I've been optimistic about it, especially on the offensive line. Cause they have talent there. They have multiple four-star guys. Logan Jones, you know, is an all American, albeit a defensive tackle, but he's broken Tyler Linderbaum's strength records. I mean, the dude's wearing the same number as him. I mean, this, the parallels are there. The both Iowa kids that play defense turn to offense. And I almost feel bad for Logan because the expectations are sort of unrealistic for him, especially at this point. But for the defense, I think Justin Jacobs is a huge loss. I think he's a top two, top three round NFL draft pick uh, next spring. I think he's Iowa's, uh, I want to say most athletic, but Jack Campbell, I don't think gets enough credit for how athletic he is. Sideline to sideline speeds elite. I think he's a first round draft pick. I think it'll be a little bit tough for him, but. I think he's got that kind of ability, especially like you said, when you pop on the tape, he just sticks out to you, right? I think that's going to be a big deal. And Iowa losing Yahweh Black, he only played 17 snaps. But that's a guy they've been very high on, but he has a foot injury. But there's going to be a name that Iowa people are going to be familiar with. I expect Aaron Graves to see a good amount of action. Max Prep, National Athlete of the Year, four sports standout, been committed to Iowa since he's 14 years old. Nick, he looked older than me at 15 than I do at 27. I mean, it's it's crazy, the strength and the size that that dude has. I'm very excited to watch his career unfold. So I think those are some of the key injuries. And Iowa is only down to two scholarship wide receivers that were in week number two, which is fascinating to think about, which also makes the Charlie Jones transfer, I think, a little bit more painful for Iowa fans, knowing what – I'll say he could have been in Iowa, but look, you look at his week one numbers – I mean, you can't really blame the guy for transferring to, to get his own numbers, and he's certainly getting them at Purdue. So I was waiting for those last two kind of areas, Graves, because, yes, people in Iowa, quite honestly around the country, really kind of starting to hear about him either from his high school success or what the potential he has at Iowa. And then at wideout, whereas Iowa State, I would say based on kind of what you just said, they're looking – Fairly healthy going into this major game. Yep. Uh, a likely projected starting safety at the boundary. Malik Verdon is back and he should be a full go. Remsburg, right tackle, maybe around at practice. I don't necessarily expect to see him. And then true freshman who really could be a star at running back, Artavius Norton. You likely won't see him this weekend in Iowa City. You know, I think it's interesting too about, you know, going back to Deckers really quick. I think talking to Kayvon Merriweather, who I think is going to be Iowa's breakout player in the secondary, and by the way, probably one of the best individuals I've covered. I know you've seen my Twitter coverage of him. He is just one of the most down-to-earth, fantastic, I would say even representation of the state of Iowa. He's not from Iowa, but I feel like he's a fully-blown Iowan at this point. And, you know, again, just I, I can't speak highly enough to his character, but talking to him this week, 
they expect Iowa State to throw the ball down the field a little bit more than than Purdy did. And Purdy, look, with all due respect, I'm I'm surprised he made the 49ers roster just given where he was drafted and you know what part of the draft he was drafting. But hey, hats off to him. That's impressive. That's great for him. I'm ha- I think Iowa people in general are happy to see him thrive. But I think Deckers can stretch the field a little bit more than Purdy did. I think he's got a little bit more arm strength. I think you have Xavier Hutchinson, who's an absolute dog at three touchdowns last week. I know it was against SEMO. But three touchdowns and three touchdowns. And guess what? That's three more touchdowns than Iowa's offense had last week. So the Duke can get done. Uh, but, you know, I again, I think it's going to be very interesting to watch how Iowa's secondary plays Iowa State because, like I said, I think they expect them to throw a couple wrinkles in the full with trick plays, throwing the ball down the field. But I – and I like Jirel Brock. Iowa probably would have landed him had they not taken Goodson first. And, again – I know I get rub Iowa State fans the wrong way, but that's just from a direct source. But that also shouldn't overshadow the fact that he's with the Iowa State now, and he's probably going to do really, really good things behind that offensive line. He's a very talented back. I don't expect Iowa State to be able to run the football well against Iowa. I think Jack Campbell's going to have those gaps locked up. I think Iowa's defensive line is going to be very, you know, stouted. I think given Hunter Decker's uh, just youth and experience going to Kinnick, being a part of the in-state rivalry, being his biggest test without a doubt in his career, they're going to try to make Hunter Deckers beat beat Iowa. And I think that's the smart way to approach it. And, you know, I would say this as well, Nick. I know you've probably watched film about with Deckers last year against Iowa. I think you got to burn it because you had Iowa, a lot of Iowa's second-tier guys in there. Iowa's playing the prevent defense, and Deckers did what he was supposed to do. He was checking the underneath route. He wasn't taking shots. He was taking what was there. 11 to 16 ain't no joke. He got the job done. I think he scored a touchdown through the air as well in that game. So I think that's what Iowa's going to do. It'll be interesting. But I guess I wanted to ask you, what's the sort of buzz you're seeing about what they're going to try to do offensively? Because as I mentioned, I do expect them to come in with a fully just different game plan when it comes to Iowa. Not because they're desperate to win it, but I think what a win would do for just the program trajectory in general. Yeah, so actually shortly before this recording, we, we got to meet with the coordinators, Tom Manning and John Haycock. And I tried to hit on that a little bit in terms of what you said with Deckers and the field opening up not only with him, but if there's finding success in the run game. Not surprisingly, you know, the coordinators didn't necessarily open up a ton about the game plans and things like that. But based on what I've seen, And I'm in agreement with most of those things you said, especially about Deckers. I don't think he should necessarily be anointed yet. I know you used that word earlier, but I think it's clear that he has more arm strength. I think he's naturally more athletic. I agree with that too. There's just this overwhelming confidence about him based on his ability and the command of the offense. And that's why I think this is going to be an enormous test. So what I think you need to do and why I think it really would have been nice to have a healthy Cartavius Norton, because Iowa's much more physical than SEMO, is you have to establish that run game. Because I heard you say in your Twitter spaces, low scoring, grind it out, that works in Iowa's favor. So Iowa State has to at least step into that pool a little bit in terms of the clock and the run game, and then be able to stretch the field with guys like Hutchinson, Jalen Knoll and Dimitri Stanley, who I'll mention is a speedster at wideout. I think that he could have had some more impressive stats last week if they didn't call a PI or two, which obviously helped the team yardage wise. 
But that's kind of how I would approach this game if I were Iowa State. Iowa is one of the best defenses in the country. I'm honestly not sure where you, you'd have them. I think comfortably – six to 10 range in the country. I, I think that's comfortably, I would say they're probably third or fourth. In my opinion, I think Bama and Georgia have top two. I know I'll go Clemson has more proven stuff too, but I, I think Iowa's defensive lines lacking that pure pass rusher that I think would put them over the top But secondary wise. And I think Iowa is the, when healthy, I think Iowa is the best trio at linebacker in the country. Exactly. So they're, they're no question the strength of the team and a really tough unit. So kind of a natural lead-in. And one of the things I really wanted to ask you, I'm going to hit you with with two on either side here. Where do you think that defense has the advantage, and where do you potentially see schematically a spot where the Cyclones could take advantage of some of those injuries or, or lack of a pass rusher or something there against that defense? I think Iowa's defense in general is just more talented than Iowa State's offense, and that's no slight to what Iowa State brings to the table. I just think when you look at, like you said, Riley Moss, first-team preseason All-American, Jack Campbell, who I think outside of Will Anderson is probably the best linebacker in the country. I think Will Anderson – it depends if you want to classify him as an edge rusher or a linebacker. He sort of plays that hybrid role for Alabama. I think he is. But Campbell just gets the job done. He's a production machine. But I think Iowa's defense is more talented. I think that if they can put pressure on Deckers, I think that's going to be huge because they're going to force Deckers to make quick decisions. And the most minor of mistakes could end up costing them. But I'm also very curious how Iowa State attacks Iowa because, you know, with Iowa's lack of proven offense so far, Nick, do you throw the ball down the field time and time again if you don't allow a big return? Iowa still has to go 60 yards. Iowa's average starting field position against South Dakota State was at their own 42-yard line. They mustered zero points from the 42-yard line, zero points. So maybe you throw the ball down the field, right? Where Iowa State could have the advantage is Justin Jacobs is such a hybrid linebacker. He's uh, fast enough to cover a slot guy. He's big enough to cover a big tight end. Logan Klemp's been in the system for four years good player, good special teams player. I think those intermediate crossing routes could absolutely haunt them. But Iowa could also elect to go the 4-2-5 defense, take Klemp off, and put Cooper DeGene in that cash role. And, you know, based on what I've been hearing from practice reports and then talking to sources, you don't want to throw the ball to Cooper DeGene. He has had a lot I, – I, I quote this, a lot of pick sixes in practice this year. And when you look at his high school highlights, it's not necessarily surprising. He was Mr. Do-Everything for Alphabet Soup High School. Uh, you know, so a couple of different things I think to look at there. But I think if Iowa State can stretch the field, I think you need to find the ball, find a way to get the ball to Xavier Hutchinson. I think he's arguably the best wide receiver in the Big 12. I think he's a ta- very talented player. Jirel Brock is an incredibly physical runner, but I don't think physical runners are exactly going to threaten Iowa's defense that i mean iowa wants that style that's exactly what they thrive off of and uh you know again i think that's the way i i would assess that matchup and as far as the flip side i really don't know where you give iowa the edge on offense i really don't i mean he's 160 yards 166 yards against south coast state uh nothing proven i think gavin williams could certainly shake things up i expect the offensive line to be better but I'm very curious to watch will mcdonald versus iowa's offensive tackles because talking to spencer petrus he said, I have more important pre-snap things than to worry about where, where number nine is. 
And I don't think that's necessarily a mistake. I think that's him challenging his offensive line to say, guys, I want to know where he is, but it's your responsibility to protect me. And I think that's the right way to approach it. Yeah. And just knowing and kind of watching how he's been in press conferences, I don't think that was, you know, a mistake, like you said, by any means. But I do think it's interesting, especially because by his standards, McDonald had a quiet week one. That's a spot I'm really intrigued to see. And I think you make a good point about Brock, though I think he's a very good, complete back. I wouldn't be surprised to see a player like Eli Sanders or a shifty yeah. Deion Silas making some moves in the backfield. Hutchinson, you mentioned, you'll see him on Sundays. And then I'll mention the speed elements again of Noel and Stanley, because I've heard good things about Cooper DeGene as well. But if, if I recall correctly, he's on the younger end of things. And there's some kind of veteran wideouts in that Iowa State core. And I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see who wins that matchup as a position group at the whole. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I'm very interested to see who who they end up going up against, like who Cooper ends up going up against. I think that's going to be a big deal. And, you know, if Iowa State gets fancy with their schemes and tries to switch it around, I think that'd be a very good move on their part. But Cooper, I know this sounds crazy. Cooper is Iowa's most versatile football player on the team, despite being a true sophomore. This is a guy that was, I would think he's the most highly decorated high school athlete of all time in the state of Iowa. What he did and the records he broke and the plays he made, it's like a folklore. He was recruited by quarterback at Virginia won him at quarterback. Iowa said, we're putting you on defense. He committed to Iowa very shortly. He would have gotten a lot more offers had he strung out his recruiting process. He has been arguably Iowa's holder on kicks. Uh, he's practiced that. He has practiced punt return, kickoff return. He played scout team wide receiver last year. I mean, this is a guy who's learning like who's learned like five or six different positions. So, but that versatility means nothing if you can't be a superstar in one area. And where are they named to be a superstar? They named to be a superstar in that cash. And that's where I think Iowa State's going to have to test them. But as you mentioned, I mean, this Iowa State team does not lack talent. I think they lost a lot of talent. I think they have guys who are going to be dudes. But the question is, to me, how much, how quickly can they grow up? Because this is, again, this is not the SEMO. This is not a small Big 12 crowd. This is an in-state rivalry that hasn't been there for four years. That is one of the toughest places to play, especially when you get in that north end zone. Nick, thinking about... South Coast State game last week when they were up against that north end zone, they had nine false starts last week. South Coast State did. So you look at that. You look at a young quarterback like Hunter Deckers. This is the loudest environment he's going to be in. If they get to that north end zone, you know, if I if Tory pins him at the 10, gets the five, gets back-to-back -back false starts, you're at the two-and-a-half-yard line, and then you're thinking, oh, my God, we need to avoid the end zone. But what's Iowa thinking? blood and that's where i think it's going to be very intriguing even from a field position perspective and now that speaks even a little further than i imagined i've covered a game or two at kinnick when i was covering the badgers i don't think i knew it was that level of loud by that north end zone so that will play a factor i like that you acknowledged both the talent as well as the experience on the cyclones team because i haven't been afraid to say i think they are very talented from top to bottom but you phrased it really well in growing up. This is a major test. This is going to be one of the biggest road tests of the year. So before we maybe make a couple quick predictions, you mentioned DeGene. Would he be the maybe 
non-expected or off the radar type player that you feel is going to make an impact on Saturday? You know, I think he could. I think that's a safe pick just because of everything I've heard behind the scenes and kind of how much we've talked to him. I released my list of top 22 most important Hawkeyes. I think I put DeGene at seven, six or seven. I mean, I think he's that important to this Iowa team. And this is a guy who I think made four tackles last year. Like that's just the sort of buzz that I heard coming into the season about him. I would say another guy, I'll give one guy on offense, one guy on defense. I still love Luke Lachey, tight end on Iowa. Didn't do much last week. Had a quiet last year. Son of Jim Lachey, former all-pro offensive tackle, current color commentator for Ohio State football, and he was a legendary Ohio State lineman in his own. He was an All-American tight end in high school. Iowa got him, and Iowa needs him to be a pure red zone target. And I think Spencer or Alex, whoever's in it, needs to find a way to give him the football. I think that'd be a safe pick on offense. And for defense, I'm going to go Lucas Van Ness. Look, I know we saw flashes of him last year, had a quiet week one, but that's a guy who I think will have a legitimate NFL decision to make by the end of the year. They call him Hercules for a reason, six foot five, 275, has a full-blown six-pack at that. that. That's not human, right? It's, it is crazy. Uh, I, I really think the way I portrayed it, he has more of a physique of like a Greek god than he does a football player. Like It, it really is crazy to me. So I'll give that. And again, I think Cooper is certainly a pick. And, you know, I might even go way off the radar, Nick. Aaron Graves, those in-state kids, if he gets in there and says, hey, go get Deckers, Graves is going to be all about it. But his matchups can be very, very interesting with a proven veteran at center for Iowa State as well. Yeah, Downing is really good for Iowa State. As we're kind of wrapping up here, it's gone too quickly, quite honestly, my friend. This has gotten to be pretty awesome. We're establishing some good chemistry for the week as well. I think I kind of made mine. I put mine out there in Dimitri Stanley. I think he has a route running ability and a speed that can hurt the Hawkeyes defense if they really use him to kind of his strengths with the Cyclones. And on defense, I'm going to go in secondary as well. I'll go Bo Freeler. True sophomore came on really strong last year. He's built very well, put on some good muscle mass in the offseason. He can play well in coverage. I'm excited to see also the chances that he might have to do against the Hawkeyes in the run, because we both know that's something that I was going to try to establish at home. So we'll wrap up with, and I've been listening throughout the week, but who wins score if you feel comfortable and a quick reason why. Yeah, Nick. I mean, I have a philosophy. I know I think we alluded to it earlier. I cannot pick a team that hasn't proven to me that they can beat them. Matt Campbell hasn't even scored a touchdown in Kinnick Stadium. Now, would that have changed if they play in 2020? Probably. Okay, I'm just speaking, you know, that's that's the reality of it. But I, Kirk Ferentz has outcoached them. Iowa's won the turnover battle, and they don't shoot themselves in the foot. Until Iowa State beat Iowa, I'm picking Iowa. And uh, another interesting stat I found today, there have been 20 times in college football history where teams have won week one scoring less than 10 points. In week two, they are 18-2 and two against the spread. Iowa is favored by three and a half points. And again, the week by week improvement. I'm not going to say Iowa's offense is going to be world beating against the cycle defense. I think Iowa does score an offensive touchdown, which is just crazy that I even have to say it like that. But here we are. I think Decker throws a pair of interceptions. And I think Tory Taylor is arguably the best punter in the nation. 
I, I have Iowa winning a very, very close game. I'm going to go 16 to 13. I'm not even comfortable with it. If, if Iowa State wants to win, they want to make it a shootout, and they should hope Iowa's offense thrives because I think Iowa State will win it. If the game's under 35 points, Iowa wins. So it's funny. We have the same amount of points for Iowa. I'm changing my score a little bit as I've read up a little more on Iowa's defense and watch the film. Like I mentioned, I'm going to go one point win for Iowa state 17 to 16. I agree. Iowa gets one touchdown. I think they get three field goals and I see Iowa potentially leading late Iowa state taking the lead mid fourth quarter and being able to hold. I think pressure on Petrus is going to be a major thing. Like I mentioned, I think McDonald is going to have a nice game. And quite honestly, my friend, as a fan of sports, which we both are, I'm excited to be there and cover this because it might not be pretty. It might not be filled with six or seven touchdowns, but I think it's going to be intense. I think it's going to be a great game and we'll go down to the last five or six minutes. Dude, all I know is I hope I don't have to have a thousand milligrams of caffeine to be able to stay awake for it, because I'll tell you, just from a pure football standpoint, oh my God, that was one of the ugliest games I've ever had to watch. That was the ugliest game I've covered that seven to three. It was absolutely horrible. Like I said in my Twitter spaces, I don't think there's a cocktail strong enough for me having to deal with rewatching that game twice. I really don't. It was just that bad. Well, as we know, you'll be having a good week prior to it. We have a joint show coming out on Friday as well with the network. 60% off annual VIP promo on our respective sites. And sincerely, David, you know we like to talk about a lot outside of football, but this was a blast. It went by super quickly, and I can't wait for hoop season to do the next time. Thank you for hopping on. Hey, I always appreciate it, Nick, and I'll, I'll add this too. I don't hate Iowa State. As much, much contrary as I get on the board, I do not hate Iowa State. I, I think Matt Campbell is one of the best coaches in the Big 12. I think he's done a tremendous job turning around the program. And like I said, if Iowa State pulls this out, I think it just gives Iowa State's program a whole new – and it just continues the upward trajectory that they want to continue to hit, especially as the Big 12 is losing a couple of big playmakers in Oklahoma and Texas. That's totally fair. Knowing you know my subscribers, they're going to enjoy just listening. Hopefully <laughs> many of yours will take a listen as well. And I will see you on Saturday. Thank you so much, my friend, and thank you all for tuning in to the Cyclone Scoop podcast. We'll catch you next time.